Would you care to step outside? Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Welcome, everyone, to DC and RMD, the Superman and Lois edition. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD. I am Michael Flores. And we are here today to discuss the latest episode of Superman and Lois. I'm in the studio with David and Steve. Hello, guys. Yo. What's up? All right. So we are officially halfway through the inaugural season of Superman and Lois. We are. And things are looking pretty good. Uh, This episode titled Holding the Wrench, written by Christy Korzak, was a very emotional and moving episode. And to be quite honest, I was not prepared for an episode of television like this. Elizabeth Hulock, I believe is how you say her last name, the actor that plays Lois, she owned this episode. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. If it won't happen, but her performance alone should get a nod for something. Oh, absolutely. She was she was giving a blockbuster performance. And and her performance, you know. In front of the actor who plays her son, Jonathan. Yeah, that, their chemistry is really good. It's believable, incredibly believable. It's incredibly believable. And and his reaction to her in in her you know tirade, if you will, you could feel him too. And, yeah, and feel Clark in the aftermath. Like everybody was was swinging for the fences in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if the show doesn't do well and it gets canceled, the actors that play Lois and John, they could probably, you know, find some work on Pornhub, you know, MILF, milf <laughs> porn or stepson porn. Wow. I'm, I'm just saying. Or it could just be. They, they have such great chemistry. That now I, that's a parody I, waiting I, to happen. Yeah. He's not even of age, probably. Listen, there's fan fiction out there. I'm telling you, Steve. <laughs> I guarantee I, you, Jonathan Kent is plowing Lois in someone's mind. Oh, my God. He needs to leave the nest, but Lois doesn't want him, leave, want him to leave the nest. So I said Jonathan him. Kent, and I'm talking about the dad and the son both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Lois, a.k.a. the actor, Elizabeth Tullock, she continues to demand, to demand all the attention in every episode. She takes every scene and just runs away with it. And this is almost like the accumulation of all of that. This is the episode we get based on all of that buildup, all that characterization that they've been fleshing out over the previous six episodes. And it amounts to reveals and tears and amazingness all the way around in this episode. When she's on screen, when Elizabeth is on screen, you are hooked. You're not looking at your phone. You're not wondering what's going to happen next. You're just paying attention to her because she is that good. And I have a feeling that the writers know. I don't think they realized that she's this good when they first started. I didn't realize that she yeah, was this good. I mean, she's had some good scenes. I I'm not always enthralled by her investigative uh, stuff. Like, you know, to your to what you just said, Mike, there's plenty of times where I, I will not be paying attention to all of her scenes necessarily. But when it comes to the scenes that she's the family ones, the family, scenes, I pay attention to 
the family scenes the and the and when she's able to actually show the fi- family dynamic mm-hmm. between all of her uh, not just Jonathan too I mean her other son some of the scenes this past season with her with her other son have been some of the best acted scenes between two actors when it comes to like a parental parental scene she's the breakout of this series I agree oh, yeah. and it's for a, sure and even can in Can you believe in, can you believe that the first time we saw Tyler Hodgson and Elizabeth Elizabeth was in CW with the uh, for me was the crisis cro- the crossover yeah the crossover yeah and I'm like going where was the, the, I didn't see them as this good of actors when we first saw them. I, well, you're only as good as the script, and yeah. when you're handed a turd, there's only so much you can do, especially if you're just an actor a part of a crossover like Elizabeth Tulloch isn't going to read the script for the crossover where she's just happy to be there because right. this is before the Superman show got announced it was supposed to be a one and done thing she's not going to read the script like oh my god this is shit who wrote this <laughs> now yeah. probably on her own TV show I'm sure if she has problems with the script she would go to you know the producers and talk to them but at that time there's no, no. room for that and also the crossover wasn't really about her Right. Although I will say I have watched other TV shows where she was one of the leads. I believe it was titled Grimm on NBC. She yes. was the, one of the main people there and she wasn't bad by any means, but she wasn't this fucking good. So she's definitely um, got her herself invested in this character. So so you want to know just a side note where she got her start? Uh, Pornhub. No. Oh, uh, this is a deep cut gentleman. R2-D2 Beneath the Dome, the uh, the mockumentary that was produced by George Lucas telling the fictional life of R2. Are you serious? Yeah, she played R2-D2's girlfriend. Oh, my gosh. And, and how long ago was that? Uh, Gosh, 2000, uh, I want to say seven, six that was that, that was an old mockumentary. That was when, that was before the uh, the buyout. Oh, way, way before. Yeah. That was way before yeah. the buyout. Oh, well, at least she's getting good work now. Yeah. At least we can say that. All right, Dave. So you and I, during our last episode, talked a bit about what to expect from Irons, a.k.a. Steel, after last week's reveal. <laughs> and we were pretty spot on. I mean, Irons and Superman are allies in the comic book, so it would make sense from them or for them to push their issues to the side in order to deal with this whole entire edge slash Kryptonian threat, no, which absolutely. which we will get into all of that in a moment because we were given a few more reveals in this episode. Um, but I will say now that Wole Parks, I believe that's how you pronounce his first name, is a legit badass. I love how he's written. I like how they write for him. I like what he or that he doesn't have powers. Please don't give him powers. Please don't give anyone powers unless it's vital. But the way they write him. He is that I've always liked those characters that rely on tech and tactics intelligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about just Batman. Uh, he's a little overused at this point in the game, but I do like that archetype where they don't have the powers. So they have to rely on their smarts. I'm telling you that I honestly feel from the last episode, even to here in the, in what we've seen in this episode I would I wouldn't mind seeing a John Henry Iron series. Yeah. Like a spin-off series. And I started thinking about it. I'm like going, 
maybe that's the end game is like, you know, like we've always been saying they're going to try to distance them, distance themselves to the Arrowverse. Yeah. And they're trying to actually do their own thing. Right. Well, okay, fine. Create their own Superman universe and have, these are the first two characters that they, they introduce for the Superman universe. Not, not tied to the Arrowverse. Right. But, but could we get a whole series out of, irons i i'm not convinced but i do think you know you said don't give these guys powers right um or don't give him powers don't give everybody powers i i actually want to see him get powers because i want i want clark to have to deputize him to help fight this impending kryptonian onslaught that we're going to see probably yeah, but, but to me but it would Steel ruin, never had powers yeah it would ruin the whole okay the fair character. enough well then give him then give him the fucking suit yeah well, give him well, the suit. yeah that stuff is different that's his tech you know okay but, fair enough but yeah. i don't want him wearing the doom costume anymore no that's why that's why i told that's why i told mike in the last one one of the thoughts that i absolutely want to see is John Henry Irons in the suit, but in the Superman colors? Yeah, he's got to have the red cape and the S on his chest. We eventually. as fans yes. know of Steel, where he's yeah. like he's in the blue, red, and you know the silver with the with all the metal, the chrome. Yeah, g- give me that with the red. Give cape me that with and, the red cape. Yes, done. Yeah, that'll be good. But the only thing is, Dave, I do agree with you that I would like to see more of him, and I'm sure we're not done with this character. But I do want to hold back on any more spinoffs or giving other characters TV shows. Because one thing that Arrow did right within those opening few years with their core cast is they never let them leave the show. Like there was talk to give Diggle his own spinoff four years into the show. Many, many times. I'm like, why would you pull one of your, your greatest draws? Cause he was one of my favorite parts of Arrow. Why would you pull him? To do a spinoff show when he's literally part of your cast. You make spinoffs based on secondary characters. Right. And the way they're working Steel or Irons into this show, it doesn't feel like he's just some secondary character. He's a vital part of the season's myth arc. Now, if they don't want to bring him back in the second season, A, I think that's a mistake. And and B, then maybe possibly a couple years down the road, maybe, hey. Let's do a steel series. But for right now, what these writers need to do is focus on their fucking show. Like in enough of the distractions and trying to create this larger universe that you may go to someday, just write your show. And guess what's going to happen as you write your show? You're going to have possibilities. You're going to have doorways yeah. open up. Well, the thing, the, the reason, the biggest reason why I think that I, don't, I just don't want them writing for it. If it happens no. because, wow, this really works, then fine. And th- if you're writing for that purpose, it's just going to come off hackish. And that's what I mean is like the writing that we've had in the last three episodes have been so seamless that it's not ham fisted. When I after this episode, I looked at the three past episodes. This is a fantastic origin story for Steel. Yeah. And like when you think about it, if you take these three episodes, and I'll, I'll be honest, as much as I, last episode I've been, you know, talking up Steel as a character, he, in the actual comics, he doesn't have a lot going for him because no one's really given that much attention to him. Only hardcore Superman fans know about steel and we love him because he's tied to one of the greatest Superman arcs of all time. The problem with a character like that is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he became more popular 
after the death of no in fact he was created after was the death created, of superman after, after the, yeah. the death of superman and the thing is is that that whole era of comics wasn't that great to begin with so when you have a character that was brought on simply as a replacement there was probably a lot of hack writers trying to make him work because they killed off superman yeah eventually the character found his himself and it was no longer reliant on hey, this is the aftermath of the death of Superman, and here I am trying to be Superman. I never really cared so much about that story. I cared more about the character and the possibilities and the later stories that oh, yeah. came with him. But it's, you're right. He isn't a mainstream character. I would say he's probably a C-level comic book character. He's a C-level, but just like what you said, though, he is a very important... When you take a look at Steel as a character, just comic book history-wise... He is a very important and integral character when it comes to the DC landscape. Without Steel, you don't have shows and characters like Static Shock, which I know is very popular. The character of Static, everyone's been harping. We're getting into that. nerd territory. Yeah. So why don't you tell us who Static Shock is briefly? Static Shock. Fucking know that. Static Shock started off as a character for milestone DC comics, which was a branch of DC comics that was geared for more urban storytelling or African-American storytelling. Gangster storytelling. Gangster storytelling. No, all their, all, it was when you look back at the entire Sarah series that they came out with steel static. Uh, there was something called the hoodlum and the uh, okay. hoodlum outlaws or stuff like that. Yeah. It was geared to actually tell like late nineties urban storytelling. Okay. And connect to another audience. Yeah. But without, it, it didn't but, though, did it? But it no. Because they were trying to ride the 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 coattails of this introduction of Steel because right. when Steel got introduced, he was the hot shit at the time. People thought, Oh my god, we we essentially have this brand new Superman character that is similar to Iron Man. Except and, we got Shaq instead. Yeah. Which instead we got listen, that. that movie's what killed that character. I honestly think, yeah. Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. All right. So let's move <laughs> into this. We've got a lot to talk about today. Okay. So the synopsis, Clark encourages Lois to reach out for help after noticing her reaching a breaking point. Meanwhile, Jonathan finds himself in a dangerous situation. And Kyle encourages Sarah to audition for the musical review review at school i just don't care and we'll get into that in a second i don't care about sarah come on let's move faster all right this episode (laughs) is directed by norma bailey she's been directing episodes of tv since 1978 uh she's a veteran probably why uh, lois's performance or elizabeth tulloch's performance was so fucking great because you had a veteran at the helm there working with the actors Uh, the episode was written by christy korzak All right, so I keep waiting for this show to fall apart. It's the uh, jaded, uh, abused child mentality because of the CW and how it just fucked us over. But instead, it keeps getting better and better. Uh, This episode of television is every bit as good as something that would air on HBO Max. Uh, I mean, there are shows on HBO Max that aren't that great. The acting has been great since day one, but this episode is its crowning achievement to date when it comes to acting. Oh, acting and and honestly production value wise. I mean, dude, out of all the superhero shows that we've seen so far, this is a really high 
it, it feels like a, a highly cinematic series. Yeah, it's it's great, man. And that goes right back to what you were saying, Steve, that, you know, she should be nominated for something. You know, she should be honored in some way, Elizabeth Tulak. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree. I'm like, this this acting on this in this episode, let's say just to say the show in it uh, as a whole, um, it's should it should be more recognized because it's so great. Unfortunately, because it's on the CW, you're not going to see anybody well, campaign for this show. No. Like the studio isn't going to get behind it. Warner Brothers slash Discovery, whatever they're calling themselves this week, uh, they're not going to start a campaign for Superman and Lois. The, they probably haven't even watched it. The people in charge. Yeah. The sad reality is very rarely does a studio campaign for any superhero movie for any type of awards, anything season. And then when they do, they do it because they've sunk so much money into what the <laughs> thing is that they're hoping to get some extra mileage out of it. Like, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but didn't they, didn't Warner's try to campaign for some Wonder Woman um, and, and nothing against Gal Gadot, like the first one got nominated, I believe. But but didn't they try to run some campaigns in the in the trades for for Wonder Woman eighty four? Oh yeah, oh eighty four. I'm not sure, I, I, but I know the first one they tried to get it nominated for an Oscar, which I loved the first one. But you know, just to look right. at the second one, it, it, why would you do that? And here you have a Superman show. It's going to be really hard. For anybody to take anything Superman seriously, unfortunately, as um, any studio trying to campaign for it to be nominated for anything. And that's just really sad because she gives such a stellar performance. All three of them in that kitchen or that dining area gives such a, a stellar performance that if you didn't have tears in your eyes, then you're a dead human being. Yeah, you're not human. You're not human. You're not human. I mean, they chose to give us a very Lois-eccentric episode, and they gave us so much character development that was just filled with so much substance. I mean, it fleshed out so many things that we didn't know about her um, and about, you know, things that, or I should say things that may be bothering her. We were able to get inside of her head in this episode, Mm -hmm. and the motivation for much of the emotions was when she found out that her double from the world Irons is from was married to Irons. And that was a perfect way to introduce a bit of Lois's past and connect mm-hmm. them in a very empathetic way. Seeing the family they had they had together dredged up feelings that she had thought she dealt with pertaining to a child that Lois and Clark apparently lost. Oh, so she, and so I have a question about that and we touched upon it, Mike, I think um not the last episode, but the episode before. Yeah. Um, you know, with his Kryptonian sperm, <laughs> is it is it possible that she miscarried because her womb just could not facilitate the Kryptonian sperm, and and that's what happened? And it took it took something else. It, it took several tries. It took several tries for something to take root. Like I, I, I actually want to learn more about that. I hope they touch on that more in the next episode. <laughs> I honestly think only sickos like us in the studio actually even care about that. I don't think most people think about Superman semen. But no, there's a science behind it. I want to understand been, the science. It's always been a you know comic book geek talk centerpiece about yeah. how does Lois do it? Well, it's Superman. Obviously, she had a miscarriage because her womb is laced with kryptonite. I'm sure Superman <laughs> did that himself. 
you know, because he didn't want to have more kids after the twins. He's all, two's enough. Mm. So it was Superman's way of pushing Lois down a, you know, a flight of stairs. So he gave her a morning after after pill laced with kryptonite? (laughs) Yeah, he put her in her tea. I'm like, here you go. And it dissolved. Like arsenic. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Because it... Can you have a miscarriage that way? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I like how like some, you kind of stop yourself to think about it. Some asshole is like taking notes. He's all right. Uh, I don't want that child. So laced kryptonite. <laughs> this is good stuff. Yeah. So this was a clever direction though to take Lois's story because in many ways it gives Lois her own story. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a character who's typically not keen and this is a part that I really fucking liked because it shows the writers understand Lois's character they take a character who's typically not keen on showing vulnerability and allows us to get in her head and see just how vulnerable she really is but the part that made it work even more for me is that out of all the people she could talk to she chose to talk to, to a professional and not Clark, which yes. and, and so it bothered me um, from the get go that the editing of back and forth. And you see, it's a common editing trope, right? Um, the, the editing back and forth between the it's ther- a writing, it's a writing thing. But yeah, yeah the, the, it's awful. The therapy sessions back to what's happening right now, back to the therapy sessions, and kind of doing things out of sequence. It's just, it's just such a tropey thing to do, but. There was a good, clever bit of misdirection there because yeah. as she's speaking, you're thinking that something has gone on between her and Clark. Um, and then they twist it there when you find out that, oh, it, she's actually referring to Jonathan. And yeah. and, and this, this whole episode, um, everything about it, whether you're talking about Jonathan and, and Lois or even Lois and Clark or even um, – Lois and and Irons um, in some regards or Lois and her father or Clark and her father. The whole episode was about trust. Yes. Trust. You know, even even um, what's her face and her dad. Right. Or, or her, you know, uh, Jordan playing the piano. Every character dynamic between any two characters was all about trust. Which I really appreciate because it, it brings back the one strength of this show that I think me, all of us have constantly said every single episode is the continuity of their themes. Mm. I mean, like they're able to basically stick to their guns and say, Hey, we're going to start this series. It's about a series about broken trust. How do you get that back? And then every single episode, there's just that little element where you basically go, okay, this is, this is a moment where trust again is brought up. Mm-hmm. Well, in and two episodes ago, the, the title of the episode was Broken, Broken Trust. Trust. And to wait two episodes later and really, it's like a one-two punch. Well, and it also, feel, I actually really enjoy it because it's not forced, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be so easy in a, in a different writer's hands that they would just basically just do one episode of trust. That's it. Let's jump to something no, else. No, It's got to be a continuous theme just as Clark hinted to and spoke to, which was trust is, is uh, easy to lose. Right. And really hard to get back, back. and, and continually maintain and cultivate and care for. Yeah. Which is what trust is. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why the, the relationship that I'm sure will eventually happen between Clark and Irons 
is going to make a lot of sense towards the end of the show. Yeah. And some people must say, may say, oh, I saw this coming from a mile away. They're going to work together. And I'm of like, course. Well, well, of course. There's, they nothing, got there's nothing wrong with seeing things coming if it's written correctly. Yeah. Um, in fact, a part of me says sometimes when things are written the right way, um, there's going to be a little bit of predictability because that's life. We relate to things that we can understand. I'm Absolutely. not saying everything or every part of a show should be predictable, but when it comes to things like that, the relationship between Clark and Steele and what may happen, um, them becoming allies isn't what's important. It's them being allies and we believe it. And in order for us to Agreed. believe it, we have to see that trust become a big part yes, you of their s- relationship. And that's what we're going to see moving forward because trust is a big theme. Uh, definitely one of the major themes of the series in order for steel to help them, they're all going to have to gain his trust. He can, he can help them save their planet. He knows everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And the only way he's going to do that is if he can trust Superman and general lane and, and vice yeah. versa. Right. Like yeah. it, they, they have to trust him because he came on the scene swinging episode one came on the scene swinging. Right. Listen, I don't yeah. blame him now after that video oh, after, footage of what Superman footage. did to Lois. That's fucking brutal, dude. I'd come in swinging too. Yeah. First motherfucker that looks like that guy. It doesn't even have to be him. I'm like, oh, you look like him. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and that's the thing is like up to this point, because of how they've made this journey throughout the entire se- uh, season thus far so seamless, we now understand John, uh, John Henry Irons' motivations. And it doesn't feel forced. It no, doesn't I, feel cheesy. No, mm-hmm. we can... We can we can all get behind the idea and his need for revenge need or for revenge or his mistrust, his issues with mistrust. So bringing it back to Lois just a bit here and her vulnerability. Um, if people aren't paying attention, which they are not because I still see articles popping up about being unhappy with Lois's lack of story. Um, are they asleep? I, I, well, this episode, they finally, they said, finally Lois gets the episode she deserves. And I'm thinking, um, have, are you just not watching the show? Because this episode that, according to you, came out of nowhere and was finally the episode Lois deserved only is possible because of all the stepping stones they have here. laid out to yeah. get there. So it doesn't <laughs> exactly. make any sense. People are f- so fucking dumb. But this episode should officially clue everyone in who hasn't been paying attention that this series is written 80 to 90% from Lois's perspective, which, which yes. honestly it should be. It, we, it really should be. We talked about this yes. two episodes I, back. This, this show is, you're right, Mike. It, it, and we talked about this. It's written from the perspective of Lois as the mother and the central hub to the entire wheel. Yeah. And that's why this vulnerability aspect is very important when you're a head of a household, which she is the head of. The oh, household. yeah. She wears oh, pants. Absolutely. Yeah. There are certain things you don't share with your significant other. And I know that may seem like uh, like bizarre to some people, but mm, sometimes no. when it comes to certain emotional issues, you keep those things to yourself for lots of reasons, not because you don't trust the other person with your feelings. But maybe they're there. You know that they're handling so much already as it is. Yeah. Or maybe you don't want to look weakened to people in your family because you're the leader of the family. You're the head of the household. You're the head of the household. So that's why this whole vulnerability aspect 
um, was made possible, in my opinion, by that miscarriage aspect, along with Irons' story of trying to save humanity. It dredged up emotions or I guess feelings that Lois had thought she dealt with, which fueled most of the emotions we fleshed out during the remainder of the episode. And it brought her and John closer, which there's a connection there as well when it comes to vulnerability. Uh, we've been talking all season about John's story. It's obvious they are working towards something for him, and we weren't quite sure what it was. But after this episode, it seems a lot clearer, mm -hmm. and we can say with a level of certainty that John's story was about finding his place in this new normal of superheroes. Mm -hmm. And now he's also going to have the issues of trust to contend with after watching that video of essentially his father killing essentially his mother yes. so you're dealing with a character who was feeling out of sorts feeling misplaced feeling like he doesn't belong uh and the parallels between lois and john were so good you have you have one character lois who doesn't like to be vulnerable vulnerable and you have another character john who was feeling vulnerable because of this new world he's been exposed to and in many ways, he's frightened and he doesn't want to be. Yes. The entire bit between Lois and John was so complicated and extremely realistic. This is how you write drama on television without being overly melodramatic. I mean, you're not human. If something during these scenes didn't make you stop and think or feel similar emotions. Feel similar emotions, especially since the characters of Lois and John up to this point have been kind of like the strengths for the for the family unit thus far in the entire series. I mean, every time Clark has a crisis of of thought, who's there to pick him up? Lois. Whenever uh John's uh whenever John's brother basically has a moment of weakness or a moment of like crisis, who's there to pick him up? It's John. Every right. every single time and and now that the reality is kind of set in then, that he's a bit, he's the big brother in a lot of ways. He's, he's always taking care of the, the, especially, the same age. I mean, they're twins, especially right? in that, after that scene where you have him essentially sacrifice himself for his brother, mm -hmm. he, he lets, he shatters his hand by trying to stop his brother doing something stupid. Mm -hmm. And it was at, for me, for that point at, that is the strength of the character of John. He's always there. No matter what, no matter, he doesn't have superpowers. He's going to oh, protect his he, brother. He's oh, been doing it since they were kids. I mean, yeah. they've, they've said that and we've seen it numerous times of him stepping in to either try to cool down a situation or in the case of getting his hand broken or being there to lie for his brother yeah. when his brother's going and through things. But everything he's doing is reactionary. Is reactionary. He doesn't quite know where he fits in. That, yes. That's why this episode I feel really works for really his character works. in fleshing out what they're really trying to do with him. The fact that he is essentially his mother in a lot of ways. Yes. In fact, I believe Lois said as just as much um, when they were talking on the couch after she yeah. apologized to him, they are essentially the human element that grounds the show. And the irony there is we just talked about this a couple of shows back, right? Like, yeah. The, the, that Lois and and Jordan have a lot of commonality in terms of being the the emotional ones, and Jonathan and Clark being the the uh, the heart. They're they're the they they will always want to be the Boy Scout, so to speak. Yeah, right? they're the they're, moral compass. They're the moral compass. But 
the powers exist between Clark and Jordan, Jordan. And now you have Lois and Jonathan having to bond over the fact that they are, are essentially the weak ones when it comes to powers. powers so right. but they don't have powers. But, and it's amazing to me. Really? The, they don't. I, I the, thought they did. The message, the message in this episode is like, just because they don't have powers, doesn't necessarily mean that they're not the strongest ones in the family. No, they're probably the two strongest. They're the two strongest. Yes, yes. and how insane, like, the complicated dynamics there of, of all these layers, right? I mean, yeah. even Clark, in, it, it, uh, two episodes ago, right, was talking about how he had to control his emotions and, and Dude, trying to explain that to... that very powerful. Yeah, and trying to explain that to Jordan. Um, he struggles with it, just like Jordan does, and and... but. Then you have Lois and and Jonathan grounding things. It's it's so well written in terms of character dynamics and depth. And do you realize, yeah. Mike, that easily this this type of series could go haywire? We would see so many people trying to do what me and you always have dubbed in other shows that we cover is agenda writing or soapboxing, right? Right. And they would they would make a they would bash a character to make a character look stronger. But this entire season, all the characters are really strong. They have their weaknesses, but because of the family dynamic. Well, okay. So what you're saying is every character has a point. Has a point. Isn't that what they're supposed to have? If they don't have a point, what do we always say, Dave? If they don't have a point, they shouldn't be in the show. They shouldn't be but in the we show. Need, but we need a, a character of the week, Mike. That's yeah. part of the formula. We need we need the female demographic. We need we need we need we need the the you know no, buy the, the LGBTQIA plus. Yeah. We need all of them. All of them. How, how many marginalized peoples can we throw into one fucking episode of television? Go to Supergirl and you'll find out every I, week. Yeah. They, they they are in the uh, Guinness Book of World Records every week. <laughs> yeah, they have the whole alphabet A to Z. Yeah. So yeah. So the whole John stuff. It's made me feel a little more comfortable with this character. I've always liked him, so I haven't had problems, but I had said a few episodes back that we do need to see where his story is going because he can't simply be the character that you just shit on. So what's the point? What are you doing to him? Are you trying to set things up to make him turn into a villain? It seems very villainish in the ways of origin stories, but no, we find out that they are setting up this path to keep him a human element for the most part. And I'm glad I'm glad I have an interview to get into in a second about him possibly getting powers down the road. I hope not. Yeah, I I agree. So there's so much they did with him in this episode. Imagine being 13 and watching someone that is essentially your father, heat vision, a woman that is essentially your mother to death. (laughs) The elements that were used to really bring out John's character in this episode, it set up potential paths for the writers to take him as well so they weren't just saying hey this is how we're using him in this episode but now after everything they did they have now given him potential and that's the thing i didn't see early on whereas with jordan and lois and of course superman and general lane and captain luther as we thought he was i saw potential i'm like okay i get what they're doing John can't simply be the guy that continues to get shit on. He defends his brother. That's going to get old after a few episodes. So what are they doing with him? 
And now after this episode, we all get a much clearer picture of the things they can do with him. So I enjoyed the fuck out of it. This is most definitely setting up an even more emotionally complicated story for John. I'm sure we're, we're not, we're not halfway done. point. I, yeah. I, we're I, not done with that element. No, I, I agree. And whether they, I I'm with you. I hope they don't give him powers. I think keeping him grounded in reality is the way to go. But because this theme of trust is so prevalent as an undercurrent and we already know that the the relationship between Lois's father, uh, um, General Lane and and Superman is rocky. Um, there's a potential that something could go awry where Jonathan has to go to Grandpa and and do a a weird team up against Dad because right now Jonathan's the only one that knows that this video exists from this other earth. He yes. didn't tell anybody and yeah. the opportunity during the, the kitchen scene was there for him to bring it up. He's holding that inside. He's, and that's a horrible image when you think about it to hold to yourself. Yeah. You just okay. saw your dad. Yeah. Remember he's 13 okay? and he's 13. And yes, people will say, well, it's the multiverse. He has to understand it. It's the multiverse. It's a different dude. universe. If you saw your mother fucking some stranger via you'd the be, multiverse television scarred. show. Yeah, we, you would be fucked. So it doesn't really matter, you know, if it's from the multiverse. It's still a horrifying image that's yeah. emblazed, you know, within his And you know what's mind. amazing? The one thing that I thought was brilliant in this episode was the way they handled the idea and concept of the multiverse. Eh, like it, we need to stay away from it. Here's the thing, Mike. Yes, me and you have discussed about this on many occasions. They need to stay away from the multiverse because it becomes a an awful writing an crutch. awful writing crutch, right? But here, it was used to actually push the narrative forward. That basically to explain the distrust that irons has for 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 clark okay so the reason why i'm okay with the multiverse element in this show is because it's not about the multiverse per se exactly it was about misdirection it's about misdirection letting us think we're watching one villain lex luther to find out that it's not a villain at all it's actually steel so the way the multiverse worked in that way mm. that's clever writing that's okay but if they start using the multiverse to bring multiple times oh look it's a no. bad version of Lois it's a bad version of Jordan no, no, oh no, no, look no, no, no. this character died five <laughs> seasons ago we're gonna bring him back from another multiverse it's fucking stupid that's, it's that's Flash <laughs> that's yeah, Flash it, it's dumb but I don't like that I don't garbage. think they're gonna do it because like the way they use the multiverse to not only like do that essentially they're using the multiverse for the narrative that's it that's and, it and that's why it's working not doing it for anything else to do surprises or fan things no it's not for fan service this. it's not for hey we ran out of things to write about and here here is this character from the other side of things from another universe it's fucking shit so yeah. yes dave i think i agree with you it works so far but they still need to be very they need to use it sparingly. Yeah, just leave it alone. Just his, leave it alone. His, his, yeah. his Walter White DeLorean RV thing that he traveled through. The, Walter White <laughs> DeLorean. Yeah. because It he, really is, isn't it? It he, is. He traveled through a portal. He did. <laughs> well, he we went, still don't know no. um, how he got through, but I, I, was, I don't think it was, I don't think it was space balls and he was in Winnebago. <laughs> that's what it looked like. He was, he's in a, he went ludicrous. Speed. He went ludicrous speed and ended up on this oh, earth. Oh my God. That's funny. All right, so there was an interview with the actor that plays Jonathan, and he was asked from, I believe, some individuals from TV line. 
And they asked him, what's John's next move? Is he going to share what he saw? And they're talking about, of course, the, the video of his father killing his mother. Uh, he's confused, he says, and he's not quite sure what to do. So he's just internalizing it. That's definitely going to put a strain on him as a person, even though it wasn't his mom who was killed on the other earth. It's still his mom. That image is in his head and it's very real for him. And then the uh, interviewer says might or asked, might he also be a little freaked out by his own father now? And the actor says, oh, there's no question. It was horrifying to watch. I can't even imagine. Again, it's not Jonathan's dad and mom, but it's still very scary. And just if we just judge by what he said here, oh, there's no question that element is going to play a big part. Just as we were saying at the top of the show, uh, the aspect of him witnessing his father or Superman, let's just say Superman kill Lois. That's something that you can't just sweep under the rug. That's going to be a big thing. And you're right, Steve. I believe you were the one that were just saying this. There is going to be a moment, I'm sure, where Jonathan talks to General Lane about it. That would actually make a lot of sense and create the needed uh, conflict and tension that yeah. we need in this show. Well, he's the one family member that I feel that they still need to bring in well, hold is on. General Lane. Well, yes. And when you look at what John's story was also doing and his his desire to protect himself, not wanting to be vulnerable and looking for weapons. And then we also have General Lane, who set up uh, an entire war room just for Superman. Just for Superman. That's going to be a thing that they're going to talk about. And when John shares what he saw with General Lane, it's going to raise the stakes. But I will say, General Lane's a bit of a dick. I mean, dude, he's your your son-in-law. He's married to your your daughter. And you have an entire lab with some of the worst horrific weapons just to kill Superman. If I was Clark, I don't think I can forgive him for that. Oh. There's no way I would forgive him. I would quit talking it's, to him. It's literally akin to your daughter marrying a Jewish person and you having an entire room full of the worst Nazi, Nazi paraphernalia. Yeah, like that's literally what it's equivalent. That's to. what that, I, I honestly, that's how I felt. When I was like, dude, wait, really? Wait, hold on. You're General gonna... Lane isn't a Nazi here. No, no, but no, no, no. the reason I'm equating it is because, you know, Siegel and the Schuster feeling, are, just are, are, are the, the it's, feeling, it's just as horrifying. It's there just you go. as yeah. horrifying. Can and you imagine your father-in-law you has Clark, an entire room designed just to kill you? Exactly. <laughs> if you were Clark and you're the, you're, you walk in and your father-in-law, who you work with, he's and you want to trust, he's and he's family, family and, he, and you're with family, and you go... Okay, so he has all these weapons to kill me. Now, now I know that there's the joke out there about like the father wanting to kill the son-in-law all the right. time. This is a bit extreme. This though. is a bit of extreme. So, so what I want to know that they really haven't touched upon is did Clark did Clark go to Lois's father and and ask if it was you know to get permission to marry his daughter or did he go with Superman? When did the whole discussion of Hey, by the way, Clark is Superman come up. Well, <laughs> and, and when did the light bulb go off with General Lane to be like, well, you know what? I better get like the gas and, and the <laughs> guns and the, and the bullets. And, and, you know, prepare for the worst. See, yeah. And that's why all of that makes it that much more of a betrayal because he's not just General Lane working with Superman. He's General Lane working with Superman who knows his secrets. Yeah. 
knows everything about him. And he is using those secrets against him. Yeah, that's so fucked. That, that's so... Yeah. That is so passive aggressive and toxic. Oh, yeah. Well, and you got to also realize too that I understand Clark, where he's coming from, but it doesn't change the fact that it is a betrayal. Yeah, 100%. to Clark, it's a betrayal because think about it. This is the same man who Clark gave the beacon, the beacon to, to call him in right. when I'm, he needs help. I'm giving you all beepers. I'm the, giving you everybody all beepers. in the family gets a beeper to contact me. And and, yeah. and father-in-law can can beep him, and he shows up, and oops, stabbed you in the guts. Oh, look, I have a kryptonite spear. How, how did that get here? It, it, again, is a really smart way of dealing with the theme of trust because yeah, you can sure. see that Clark Clark tries. And vulnerability. I would be like, give me that beeper back. <laughs> the beeper <laughs> that fucking, don't you ever page me again. Ever. By the way, side note, uh, just doing a little research here in the background. I don't remember if we talked about this, Mike, but that yeah. Man of Steel episode was directed by none other than John Diggle. Yeah. And apparently he's going to have an appearance at some point. Yeah. I and, hope he's not Green Lantern. And Tom Cavanaugh will be directing the no. 15th and final episode of this season. Can we season. just get rid of, let's shed all CW funk. Like, I like Diggle. <laughs> I think he's great. He was the saving grace for many years on Arrow. The guy's fantastic charming screen presence the works he's a great he's a great you addition you don't like 17 but, different wells no we, we don't need him all right so outside of the highly emotional elements of the episode we were also given some reveals it was stated that lois suspects morgan edge is uploading alien sentience into his ex kryptonite subjects okay which does add up Dave, you and I talked last episode <laughs> yes, about this turning into a full-on Kryptonian thing. We did. I mean, Leslie Lar is Kryptonian in the is comic Kryptonian books. It didn't in- feel right to me. Yes. It didn't feel right to me as a Superman fan that you have Leslie Lar as Leslie Lar, and she's not a Kryptonian. Not so a Kryptonian. now a lot of this makes a, a lot more sense. And I'm okay with it. I like the concept. The reveal... And the delivery <laughs> was fucking horrid. Okay. That's where I have my issues. It's by far the worst thing this show has done so far. So I'm hoping that it was just some weird turn of phrase that was used. Maybe they ran out of time and they had to cut something. Maybe yeah. it's the way that Clark delivers it because Clark is actually very no. simple minded. No, no, sometimes. has nothing to do with delivery has 100% to, or I should say has nothing to do with Clark's delivery of the line of dialogue. It has to do with how it was delivered via the writing. I agree. You don't reveal <laughs> a major element, which this is a major element. Yes. In a TV show. In a five second, oh, by the way. Yeah. Well, where's the investigation? Lois suspects. When did Lois suspect this? When did this happen? We've, we are not privy to any of this information. Now, if, it's, if it was something minor, it wasn't vital to the, 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 the entire myth arc of the season, then I would just shrug and say, okay, it's a new introduction to an idea that we weren't aware of before. Yes. This is an answer to a mystery that's been going on that is exactly what the cw has done with all of their shows that are dc related is the reason why i quit watching arrow and flash because they would build this mystery up and then for some reason in episode 12 or 13 they're like 
okay, now's the now's the time for the reveal, and we're just gonna drop it on you, and it makes no fucking sense. Right. We did. We we. It's like Scooby Doo. They pulled the mask off too yeah. early before yeah. we even got the whole mystery out there. Or like when you get a girl pregnant, you pull the no, condom no, no, no. off it, too soon. It's no. premature and it's ejaculating. It's premature narrative ejaculating. Yes. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Okay. Because now. Dude, I, you're being very fair, but to me, this is the one moment that had me wanting to scream. What the no, fuck? No, I was mad, David. I, I was mad. Yeah, because I, I was like, I literally went back to each episode just to see did I miss something? No, maybe I, I missed something. I'm hoping again that it was a simple turn of phrase that was spoken that leads us to think as viewers something that it's not. Yeah. Because we already had the setup through other episodes that this ex-kryptonite physically changes people. We've seen it happen. We've yes. seen it culminate in changes. That doesn't mean that some sentient being <laughs> like what we're seeing in the Fortress of Solitude as a hologram of Jor-El, that's a very different thing yeah. than, yes. than, as a sentient AI or whatever the the hell than than what we're seeing in these heroes. So again, I'm hoping that it's just a a bad turn of phrase of Clark not knowing everything himself. He even said, I've never heard of X Kryptonite. So I'm hoping that he's just drawing conclusions that aren't real. And it yeah. was just a bad a, a bad use of words. It was a Listen, bad use of I, words. I hope you're right, Steve. But yeah. I calmed myself down. I took a deep breath. I said, okay, let's Let's basically just overlook this for right now. Lois has never talked about Kryptonian sentience. No one has. <laughs> no, this, no one has. This, this, I feel, was a massive blunder. Plus, Mike, and I can't even understand why they'd include this aspect the way they did. Plus, they Mike, could have easily, think about it for a second, though, Dave. They could have easily found a better way to include that aspect. It's not that hard. Not to, that hard. It took five seconds for them to drop it the way they did. Why didn't we start the episode with, off with her... Um, some type of an investigation or better yet, it would have even made more sense if John had discovered it himself while he was trolling through all the video feeds from the other universe. Yes. If that was how they figured this out, that would make sense because we've already been led to believe that steel or irons already is aware of everything that has gone down in that universe and it is happening the same way here. So if he is the one that has that information, that would make sense. But we don't know that because we've never seen that. They could have done it last episode. Steel could have easily said to Lois, you know, this is, this is going exactly the way I knew it would. The Kryptonians are taking over. They're using the ex-Kryptonite to boom, boom, boom. It's done. It's, it's explained. Done. It's but, so easy to where it would make sense. But when you deliver a line like that, that feels like such a fuck you. Like, oh, by the way, we forgot to include this in the script and we better do it because it plays a big part in the next episode. Exactly. Because you 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 treat that narrative that we were all that mystery narrative that we were all glued to this season and you just flung it aside. You just basically just treated yeah. it like it was nothing. Yeah. Now, I'm willing to give the writers a pass this time, but we don't need any more half-assed reveals like that ever again. No, we no. need full-ass reveals. Yes. Especially with the time that... Full frontal this- reveals. <laughs> Especially with the time that this series is given, they could have spent 
at least one or two episodes to get for us to get to that point. You realize that? Yeah. Because we're at, we're just at the halfway point of the series. Yeah, I, that's why I don't understand why they did that. I it doesn't make sense when you have a show that is being written very well for them just to completely blunder the fuck out of an element. It doesn't. It doesn't quite compute. So perhaps we did miss something or perhaps it was just a, you know, an anomaly, like just a little mistake that kind of slipped by. And I can, I can understand when I thought about it because we're at the halfway point, I thought that this would have actually been a good mid season finale to end on because you're ending the John Henry irons element and Introducing the fact that John is not the main villain. Right. The main villain is Morgan Edge. And then you can jump right to the next episode at that point. So we can't have, I'm just going to put this out there as as you guys were talking, I, I wanted to look something up and it, it maybe that's could have been a plan since they do a lot of the mid season finale kind of things. Um, we're only supposed to get 15 episodes. We're on episode eight we can't afford a, a mid-season finale on this show. The hiatus due to the pandemic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We lost five hundred thousand viewers on this show. But but if we didn't, if the if the pandemic didn't happen, this would be the this would be the mid-season finale point. I, but I don't think. I, I think CW is going to have to reassess how they handle these things because that is a massive drop, and we were sustaining a really large number of viewers on this show. And I'm not seeing the broken trust episode. I'm not seeing the numbers for that one, but the drop from episode five, we were at 1.24 million. And when we got to episode seven, again, the numbers for six, I can't find, but number seven, which was man of steel, the big reveal of, of irons point eight, two. So yeah, 820,000. And we don't even have the newest episodes. It's 900,000. So it's so building we went up, up a little it's bit. It's going up. It's going up. God, they, I hope. The CW will never change their tactics until they get rid of Pedowitz as the their lord and savior. They need to get rid of him. <laughs> Pedowitz? He, he, he has been the worst CEO of a company. He's not that great. He makes the worst decisions. Uh, he can be attributed to turning the CW into a DC comic TV series network that he, that he can definitely take that credit but he's not a great boss he's not that great at what he does because no. anybody could take a look at the decisions they make with their inconsistent schedules they do this across the board without coronavirus they'll take a month off then they'll come back for a week then they're like okay we're gonna take three weeks off all right we're back for two weeks and then- all right we're gone for a month they do this all year long they take 15 episodes from legends and they bait it for seven months and it just right. destroys your momentum. Yeah, they make a lot of bad decisions at the CW. Um, and I'm not just talking about writing, just in general. The way they do things, the way they distribute their shows, it's not very smart. And you're right with the ratings aspect. It did drop, although the ratings will climb up, but uh, it's yeah. going to take time. I mean, it, it will. They're right before they went to break, I received the same day plus seven mm-hmm. day ratings, and they are closing in on over 3 million. Okay. When you take into account the, all the on demand, the DVRs, all that stuff. So they're doing fine. The numbers are there, but 
right after that, they go to break. So it's going to take time, you know, to uh, build that momentum again. So hopefully they don't take a break because I have a feeling with the word of mouth and with the success that it saw on TNT as well as HBO Max, you're going to see the numbers skyrocket somewhere between episode. Let's let me backtrack. We're going to see the rating skyrocket somewhere between now and the finale. I'm talking a huge jump because if you look at the increase from the same day plus live to the seven day, you're looking at a 120% increase Mm. just within those seven days. So imagine a week, two weeks, three weeks syndication on TNT syndication on TBS. Then you're going to have the encore presentations on HBO max the show will end up finding itself again. It's just it, a blunder it, though, because Pedowitz is a putz. Well, and, and again, the pandemic didn't help. There was a, Not at all. A, 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 what a month and a half gap in there ish. And I mean, we started off super strong um, just in, in live viewers. It was 1.75 million, but now, you know, getting back into the swing of things, we, we lost almost yeah. half that of live viewership. So, well, people don't watch, you know, the TV guy channel. And they don't have TV guides anymore. And so yeah. how do you know when a show is coming back? Unless you're glued to the CW and you're watching the commercials. Or you're just uh, that much of a fan of that specific thing that you're glued to that. I mean, and, and I, you know, I'm like you guys. I don't watch it live TV. I don't have live TV. I watch the extended cut versions on, oh. on the app. And and that's honestly, that's where to watch it. Yeah. it you get a better, longer version. Yeah. Longer isn't always better, Steve. I mean, at least that's what some ladies have told me. Botting them out there, huh? Yeah. I, I believe them, too. There's no broken trust there. <laughs> There's no broken trust. Yeah. Okay, so Sarah and her shitty father. God, yeah. I man. don't know what to make of this. He's I, an alcoholic. That's well, what you make of it. That's what you make no, out of it. It's very easy to understand that. I'm not talking about that. I'm starting to struggle with this entire thing, this I entire aspect. I am, too. I like Sarah. I actually find her... Um, I like her character. I charismatic. I, I like the way she talks. I like the way she acts. There's something about her that I am drawn to, but the character, I just don't see her purpose. I understand Mm. her purpose, how the writers view her purpose, but it's not very interesting when compared to all the bigger things going on. You can say she's the family aspect or she, or I should say, you can say she's the human aspect. She grounds the show that's what we were trying to say about kyle a few weeks back but we have john and lois we don't yes. need them well she's the love interest that keeps the tension jordan. between jordan and and and, and even I don't, jonathan i don't even I, I don't even think ah. between for jonathan because like i think sarah is at this point she's she's trying she's the she's going to be the rock to for jordan uh, oh, I agree. I'm just saying there was that little bit of tension in the last episode or two episodes ago oh, yeah. where where Jordan listened in, right? And, and so he cuckolded them. Yeah, and so there's that little bit of of tension in the between the brothers of yeah, but that's not going to come back. But, but fact, that's not going to come back. I no. think we put that to to, to rest. We put it to rest. I, I think what that family does is one we all know who Lana is. Lana so, is fine, but so, let's see her a little more. Yeah, exactly. She's Foxy too, like a little less. Sarah and Kyle and more Lana's titties. Well, the uh, the idea that Lana is the basically the closest person to Morgan Edge and 
Okay. She's the one that you can easily, easily use to open the story of Morgan Edge and actually show, okay, she's the inside man, essentially. And she's, she's going to get one- the inside info now because you can tell that exactly. she's starting to see more of like what Lois was hinting at. But was I think what's at. interesting about them as a, as a family is that you, you have this – there are grounding in Smallville. There are touchstone into Smallville beyond Clark. Fucking yeah. dude, this is – the Kyle aspect to me is the most lamest CW nonsense I, in this show. I agree. He's just not interesting He's not likable, so I honestly but, don't give a fuck what happens. Well, here to was him. the thing. Here's the thing. I too. like Lana, and I get what Lana's doing, but I feel like he's simply the useful idiot in this show, and we've known that since day one. Agreed. Because Leslie Lar tells him that he was offered this job, and she smiles about it. So she's trying to start trouble between Lana and is. him. But to what end? What is end? Morgan Edge having have more than just a passing interest in Lana? Or is this about Kyle? The thing, well, the, the thing was about Kyle. Kyle had the, for wait, me. You think everything Morgan Edge is doing is about Kyle? I think everything that Morgan Edge is doing isn't about Kyle. Oh. No. But I mean, like, up to this point, Kyle is one of those characters, to me, that had potential at first, but at this point, just is dead weight. Yeah, because, like, that's how I view it, too. At because, this point. like, at first, you introduced this character who basically was supposed to be this lens into the real Smallville. Cool. Because he's a firefighter. He's seen shit. And that's what made him so jaded was because like of the realism that he had to deal with day in and day out. Fantastic. Run with that. The problem was just like what you alluded to, Mike, they don't go back to it. Well, he's just a putz. And I don't, yeah, they I don't, just, I don't like stupid people. They just treat him like a putz. <laughs> and I'm like going, okay, at this point, He's written stupid. He's written stupid. Yeah. Meaning this. Okay. For example, anyone should realize Morgan Edge is bad. Yeah. There is no reason for him to be in Smallville. And then you have Lois, an investigative journalist who's respected across the world for her work. And he doesn't believe what she's saying. The... And listen, that's realistic. We we see that now. Yes. No one wants to believe facts when it's right in front of them. However... Do we really need a character like this in a show? I have to see what they're doing with him soon. Yeah, right now, up to this point, he's written as the 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 epitome uh, of small town backwoods working class blue collar stereotype stereotype, and it's done badly. It's it's done badly because Not great. you don't. Look, there's moment, there's slivers. Like there were slivers in this episode where you felt he's trying to do the right thing as a father. Yeah. But but then as it dug in deeper, you saw that it was really just him trying to come to terms with his own uh, inadequacies. Yeah, and it, it, the baggage he was carried around of well, I didn't take a chance to go follow my dream of being a, a musician, country <laughs> yeah. singer, whatever the hell he was trying to be. And and then kind of pushing on her to do it, which there's some value in that to like encourage your children to to don't make the same mistakes I made. Follow your dreams. Yeah. You know, that's good. He's a living example of don't do as I do, please. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't be an alcoholic, you know, go get an education, follow your dreams. All he's the opposite of so I guess in that regard he's a good role model. Listen, I, I wanna make <laughs> I wanna make it clear to the listeners that 
I didn't hate Kyle and I, I, I didn't dislike him until this episode because yeah. I feel like everyone's moving on. All our characters, yes. they're finding their spots. But not him. But and not Kyle him. is still being used the exact same way he was used in the first episode, minus the Smallville connection. Now, he's a shitbag. We get it. Now, we, we understand that he's, he's having problems, but what else is new? What else are you going to introduce? We understand he's a drunk. We understand that he is unhappy with his lot in life. We understand that he's possibly jealous uh, because of Lana's success by way of, oh, he's jealous. of Morgan. Oh, yeah. We get At that. This point. We understand that. Now it's time to give us something new or just get rid of the character. So, so counterpoint to that, Mike. Yeah. Every, you, you just touched on something. All the characters are, are finding their footing. They're growing. They're learning. They're maturing. They're learning from each other, either new things or they're new things changing. about themselves. They're changing. Yeah, there's, or there's, not even learning, just changing. Because that's changing. what that's what a character arc is. Yeah. Or, well, a mature, self-aware person over time will change for the better, hopefully. Generally, people change in some way. But there's another reality that there are some people in life, a great many people in life, who never change because they're not self-aware. They don't know why they are the way they are. They don't learn from their mistakes. They don't do self-introspection. That is Kyle. He is like so many people that you encounter through life that just stay in a rut. I would agree oh. with you, Steve. Yeah. I would agree with you. But this you. is for entertainment. How, entertainment. No, not even, not, even, not even entertainment purposes. The problem that I have with Kyle is kind of like, you know, like the, the, what you just mentioned, it's a, he's a hammer of a stereotype, right? Yeah. At least you got to make Kyle then change just a little bit to make him, you know, interesting. interesting. Okay. See, Dave, I knew, I knew you would, uh, that's why I let you go. Cause I knew you were going to say something that I agree with when it comes to the writing aspect, because Steve, you are right as well. Yeah. Like you make perfect sense. And if they were, but the thing is, is that you are talking as if you're writing the character because you have a grasp on how a character should be written. And if that was Kyle's story, he's someone who doesn't learn from his mistakes and he continues to fall into the same patterns. Mm -hmm. Then that needs to be his story. They can't use that as a way to justify why the character sucks. Exactly. Unless it actually is a part of his story. And if it is, then it should have been mentioned in some way, either through subtext or directly overtly stated uh, somewhere along the way. Lana says to Kyle, you always return to your bad habits. If you want something to change, get out there and do it. And maybe, and maybe that's right around the corner. Yeah. Well, you know, in fairness, in fairness, you, Mike, what you just said, it wasn't Lana that delivered that message to him in this episode. It was Sarah. Yes. Sarah literally said that to him in this episode. So hopefully you, we get something there. You, you, I'm tired of promises. Yeah. Because he is one big empty promise. He's in a every... big empty promise. So, you know, it took eight episodes to get there. It was subtle, but maybe we see a course correction as he wakes up, or maybe he delves deeper into his depression and sorrows and seeks out the uh, Morgan Edge and, and ends up with X Kryptonite. Becomes, becomes a villain. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what, Steve? If they end up doing that, then I will come on the air and say, thank you, writers, for 
you know, course correcting and getting us there with the character. Because I'm all about characters that suck, but <laughs> I want those characters that suck, like Kyle. I'm talking about his actions as a person. Yeah. I'm all about characters I don't like. There's a lot of characters I don't like, but I love watching them. Yeah. What if so he, if they do that and they just find a groove from then I'll be fine. A clear okay. a clear a clear example, a clear example of this is on the other side of the geek spectrum was Winter Soldier. Look at how they did freaking US Agent. Totally detestable. Right. Totally sure. detestable. Sure. But you made like him, him interesting. I was he team, was, I was team agent. <laughs> well, look at look at Gaius Baltar, Gaius another Baltar. guy that was absolutely de- exactly uh, you make, horrible you make person, the, you but make the, good to watch. A horrible yeah. person, but they still have that interesting story where you're constantly going, "Okay, are they gonna? Are, are we gonna see character growth? Oh my god, we yeah. do. That's all. I, that's all I care about. Is I just want to see character growth. And if they, and I'll be honest with you, if they didn't give us what they gave us on John. This week, I probably would be having the same conversation about him. Really? We're closing okay. in. I like what they've done with him. I don't have any complaints about John, but it was getting to a point where, all right, we need something new now. We get it. We understand where he's at mentally. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and take that next step now. And they did with him. Yeah. So they need to do that with Kyle. What if, what if Kyle's our, our unspoken backdoor entry into an ex-kryptonite powered version of parasite because he's kind of a parasitic I individual i don't know that'd be kind of cool that sucks the life that'd out of everybody cool. around him after you said backdoor i just completely blanked out that's all i heard <laughs> you, you know, all you heard is anal backdoor <laughs> kyle it. i was like all right that's a story i can get by but honestly as a geek i would love them to bring in parasite that's a Superman it's too, villain. It's too much right now, though. That's a Superman yeah. villain, it's though, Mike. Too much right now. It could be down no the road. one's ever used. Listen, I'm open to anything. Steve, you're on the same track as me and Dave. Before you walked into the studio today, the first thing we were talking about was, hey, listen, the world of Superman is fucking big, and we've never had a chance to fully explore it because movies don't get made, TV right. shows end, and what these people typically do is they give us Lex Luthor, they give us Doomsday. Maybe Brainiac. Okay, show's been canceled or the movie's <laughs> over. And we're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. So then we have those characters always coming in. And the world of Superman is very big. It, it's just as big, maybe not as popular as the Bat family, but it is just as big, if not bigger. If not bigger. I mean, it's it's There's so many things they can do. And I would love for them to introduce things we've never seen. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was a big proponent of the irons and steel reveal because I'm like, fuck, we've never really got a chance to see this guy in live action form for real. No, I mean, yeah, Shaq doesn't count. We did get a version of parasite in Smallville. Yeah. Smallville, Smallville, but but not even, it wasn't close to a comic. No, no. Or, or give me the galactic golem, which we'll never get. (laughs) Now you're just trying to throw out words for your geek cred to go up. Nah, Galactic Olive was was a good uh, a good character, I thought. But whatever, that's just me. <laughs> All right, so let's move into our final thoughts. You know, I'm going to start this week. Okay. There's a few blunders that tarnishes an otherwise great episode that would have been easily. A 99 percent, if not a 100 percent, no mm-hmm. joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so close just because of the emotions the episode delivered i was so close to just say fuck it it's a hundred percent you were edging huh i i was 
Lois is everything. Elizabeth Tolick is fucking great. But without regurgitating or rehashing the things we have already gone over that didn't work, we also had flashbacks and a flashback. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I was going to bring that up. I'm like, dude, no. Like, that is hack 101. I was going to bring that, that up. I mean, they haven't gotten to the arrow territory yet no, no, where no, it's no, a no, flashback no. and a flashback and a flashback. Yeah, Inception the, the, flashback. There was an episode where there was four flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. But this came... You just did a flashback inside of a flashback inside of a flashback. That is awful writing. But this had the whiff of it, and the, especially in the very did. beginning. And I would have given it a pass completely and not even mention it if it wasn't for some of the other issues well, pertaining been. to <laughs> the reveal of Morgan Edge and the Kryptonians and the ex-Kryptonite. But I do see... A couple bad habits in this episode that remind me of other CW shows. I hope these are just flukes. These are DC, CW, Berlanti problems, issues that plague all the shows he produces for the CW. I'm hoping it's just a fluke. Because up to this point, and in, in including this episode, things have been really great. But I am starting to see in this episode those issues, and hopefully they do not turn their heads at us ever again. So I'm going to give this a 95%. It should have been a, a 99 or a hundred, but it's going to lose some for those problems. Um, Steve, go ahead. Well, I, 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 you said everything um, that, that I would have said, you know, how, how you started that off there. I too was going to send in a 95% actually. Um, you can't say enough about her performance, but again, also Jonathan's performance. Oh, yeah. It was just outstanding. The kid's 19 years old playing a 13, 14 year old kid. And he's just absolutely murdering it. Um, reacting to her acting, which is all acting is right is reacting. And, and when that scene ends and then it, you see Clark's reaction to it, and his comments and how he reacted to it. Oh my God. Um, that scene, I literally was clenched up on the couch, like just all balled up because it was so intense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you, Mike It's solid 95, um, such good writing and acting around those family scenes. If there wasn't any problems, what would you have? I, when you, when you text me earlier, yeah, um, a hundred yeah. easily. It, yeah. It's the best episode, even with its shortcomings. I don't think I've ever given a CW show a hundred percent. No, I don't think so. And think this episode have. would have gotten that. So learn your lessons, writers. Go yeah. ahead, Dave. You're next. Okay. Um, I didn't quite like this episode as much as you guys. I do agree with all the points you pointed out. The, the strengths of this episode is the acting, the visuals, the production, absolutely everything. I just could not overlook, just like what you said, Mike, you can overlook the little writing problems that we had, the flashback within the flashback, which I'm glad you mentioned because I was going to mention that because <laughs> that irritated me. I was yeah. like, going, what the hell was that? I just had a flash moment there where you have a flashback within a flashback within a flashback yeah okay and then some of the moments of jordan 
you know, suddenly Jordan knows how to play piano. And <laughs> well, he wasn't that good in fairness. I mean, he, he was a little rusty. He was rusty. That was the only thing. But I'm like, like okay, just randomly, he we 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 get introduced to the fact that he could play piano. All right, all right. And then, of course, the well, moment. Okay, that- but to be fair, and I said this off air, but to be fair about that, David, just as a rebuttal. Yes. We're dealing with a show that's only eight episodes deep. True. There's going to be things that we don't know about our characters. They have to be introduced at some point. They have yeah, to be introduced so at some that point. to me isn't a big deal because the piano playing wasn't a vital part of the narrative or the myth arc. It wasn't, it didn't change the direction of the story. Yeah. If the piano changed the entire story and it was introduced in this episode, right at the perfect time, <laughs> then I would be, I, this episode would have got a 70%. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and it was like teetering on that. I was waiting for, the sad part is that scene and then the scene that you mentioned earlier yeah. about the ex kryptonite thing, basically saying that just randomly Clark saying, oh yeah, you know, like they're they're building an army with ex kryptonite because they're implanting <laughs> essentially Kryptonian sentience with ex kryptonite. Those moments made me all of a sudden cringe and go, what the hell did I miss? That's that's a big red flag for me. However, they didn't it didn't destroy the narrative that they were going getting across. So I wasn't I wasn't too hard on it because like what you said, Mike, in any normal series, automatically I'm getting giving a 70 percent. I honestly writing is terrible. I honestly think the reason why we're even talking about this much is because it's on the CW. Yeah. If this was on HBO, we would be like, oh, I didn't really like that. It's okay. It'll be better next week. And yeah, that's why I'm not as hard. I'm not as hard on it. Okay. So what's your percentage? My percentage on it is an 88. Well, that's not the 88. So, so I do have to add one little nugget in here. Okay. I think we're getting hung up on the, the use of the word sentience as we typically would relate that to artificial intelligence or self-awareness of some kind, right? Or, a little bit, but honestly, it was the delivery. The delivery of the method was fair. just like, oh, wow. Well, first what? up, did they, now that you bring that up, I, I, we got to end the show because there's another show coming in right now. But yeah. Steve, you bring that up. And that actually presents another problem because how are you creating Kryptonian sentience? Yes. So, <laughs> because that's awareness. That is being able to, that's what makes an AI life form alive. So are they putting the well, consciousness? No, no, is that no, no, what no. They meant? So this is where I'm going with this. Okay. We are getting hung up on the use of a single word without referring to the textbook definition of the word sentience, right. which is simply the capacity to be aware of feelings and sensations. Right. Yes. Not self-awareness or AI in that regard. Maybe it's just the, the, the awareness of powers. powers. So... The kryptonite makes them aware of powers. It's bringing out the powers, bringing and making out the them powers, aware of making it. them aware. Uh, yeah, that they have. but it was poor for it, phrasing. Well, hold on, though. I would, I would actually kind of agree with that. That could be the direction they're taking it. But Clark specifically said that they mentioned you're not alone any longer. <laughs> That's the problem. And they're they were trying to say say uh, uh, presumably they're trying to say that they're Kryptonians. And and hey, I could understand. I could. Uh, I, I at the end of the day, right, I could swallow too. that. Yeah, I could swallow that. But my final point on that is, I could swallow that because you know the whole idea of Kryptonian technology was introduced 
in Superman eons ago that we know that they can implant them. They can implant memories and knowledge inside crystals. We know this. Or put it inside <laughs> of wombs if you don't want children anymore. Right? <laughs> right, Lois and Clark? Yes. Right, right. <laughs> but at the end of Superman, the day. Superman, the old dog. At the end of the day, it just comes down to the delivery. Okay. That's all. Yeah, I agree. Fair. All right, we got to end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Search DC on RMD. Leave us reviews. Thank you. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour.